Welcome to the Reticle Up Podcast, where I, Three Gun Kenzie, will be interviewing competitive shooters, hunters, fishermen, archers, entrepreneurs, and outdoorsmen. Come learn with me as I interview people from all walks of life, in different disciplines, all across the world, from novices to professionals of all ages. No matter what, everyone has something they can teach you. So come join me on the journey. The Reticle Up podcast is produced in partnership with AmericanFirearms.org. American Firearms' mission is to recommend what works. We believe everyone deserves access to unbiased, helpful information about firearms. And our buying guides, product reviews, and learning resources are designed to help real people find the stuff that will work best for them. Check us out at www.americanfirearms.org. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Reticle Up podcast. I've got Dave Hartman on. You probably know him and heard of him from the Three Gun Show. So he's rebranded to Prep and Press podcast, which we'll talk about. He's been a competitive shooter, goodness, for years. He's even gone around the country in a trailer, pulling a trailer and traveling, which is cool. (laughs) Those are some old times. Um, But he's worked in the industry for years, too. So this is going to be a really exciting podcast because we kind of do similar things. We've crossed paths before. um, So we're both learning today. Yeah, I'm I'm pumped. This uh, should be fun. I'm sure people have told you this, but like you're the perfect broadcaster voice, like on planet Earth. <laughs> no one's ever told me that. Uh, I think it's the electronics. I sound like a dork in person. So no, no, no. You have like the perfect <laughs> voice. It's so good. I mean, it's funny because like you know I'm kind of a fan girl too because I've listened to Three Gun Show my entire multi gun life, and I'm like, here we are. <laughs> so. That's that's really cool to hear, and thank you so much. Um, First off, it's it's great to uh, to be on someone else's podcast. I'm excited to do nothing here and uh, let you do all the work. But uh, <laughs> I hearing that uh, you know someone listened to the Three Gun Show and either inspired them to get into shooting sports or to progress in the shooting sports or like in your case to create content like really makes me feel good because as you know, like a lot of times uh, when you're podcasting, like you're talking into a hole and yep. you don't get a lot of feedback. So once, uh, once you finally hear some, you're like, oh, no way people are listening. That's great. It's not <laughs> oh, just yeah. numbers on a screen. No, it got me through a lot of plane rides and, and seriously, my favorite, cause I'm a shotgun nerd was like the choke pattern conversation you had forever yeah. ago talking about that because they might be an easier gun to shoot sort of right. But there's something that people need to learn in the three gun world. Yeah. Sort of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. People always say, uh, easier, but. You know, I don't, I don't know. Like, there's so much to go uh, with uh, shotgun in the competitive shooting world that it's like a Pandora's box. You know, like it's the last thing like a lot of people think about, especially when you go to like a club match and you see like someone brought out like their duck gun or maybe like a Remington 870. You're like, oh my god, like yes. buddy, do you want to use my shotgun? It's going to be a long day. Yep. Or me, who brings her stock stoker with a plug in it and loads one-handed one at a time. But you know what? I got (laughs) multi-gun that way by doing it, and uh, it was worth it. But I don't want to digress too much into that. But yes, I've been a long fan listener, so that's awesome. (laughs) Nice. All right. I'm going to make a note of the stoker story for later. Good, good, great. God, it's painful. I have footage. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So so when I started shooting three-gun was... Let's see. That was 2011, and uh, like I didn't have a smartphone, and I don't, I don't think I knew a whole lot of people that did. So, like I, I had a like a flip camera, like where the screen popped out, and we filmed a bunch of stages on that and stuff. Yeah. And so somewhere out there, there's video of me shooting my first match with a Mossberg 500 pump shotgun with like an 18 inch barrel 
and like a cylinder cylinder bore. Yes. And uh, I don't know where that footage is or how to get it on the internet. So thank goodness that doesn't exist. <laughs> Well, it does. And uh, for people that know you, I bet I barely know you, but it's like you're going to go home after this and you're going to look for that video for probably next week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. The research. But OK, so I'm curious about the rebrand. Um, you know, a lot of people I work in marketing. A lot of people ask me about why should they rebrand, you know, if they get pigeonholed or into like a niche with like, I guess, three gun. Right. That's a big thing. So what kind of made you rebrand and what are the goals for Prep and Press? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there, there's a lot of reasons for that. And honestly, it took me, it took me probably, took me probably three years to finally decide to do it because, um, you know, David three gun show is like, it's one, one word, you know, it just comes out. Um, it was something I associated with. And as you know, like when you build something, you, tend to identify with it and it becomes like part of your personality rather than just like a, a company or a YouTube channel or an Instagram account or something like that. So it took me a long time to do it, but um, the writing was on the wall, like in the early days, because <clears throat> when you and I look at uh, those three words, like even if it's the number three, three gun show on a piece of paper, you see three gun show. It's a show about three gun, right? But when like the vast majority of people look at it, they see gun show, like the evil gun shows where killers buy their guns through gun show loopholes. Right. And so I had trouble getting uh, bank accounts, uh, insurance, things like that. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was, wow. was kind of. Yeah. So I actually had to like create an LLC that wasn't the three gun show. And yep. so when uh, when I would talk to businesses that are out or people outside of the the niche like i would just always say like yeah it's media company blah 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 so uh yeah so that was part of it and then um also um let's see gosh i don't remember the timeline but somewhere along the lines i like started shooting other things as well right so when i first started shooting i did like uspsa three gun and like whatever else was out there and then uh, when I started the three gun show, I'm like, okay, I'm only going to shoot three gun. But then <laughs> I had to turn down like a lot of guests and a lot of matches and a lot of opportunities because yep. like it didn't really fit into that three gun niche. Yep. And uh, I just decided I wanted to do more stuff. I like USPSA. I like things like NRL Hunter. I like shooting super long range. I like shooting, you know, defensive guns. I like shooting dumb stuff. And I just wanted to do it all. And yep. so I felt like changing the name really had to, had a lot to do with that because no matter how much you and I like three gun, there are a lot of people out there who negatively associate three gun with whatever or shooting <laughs> two on. Yeah. yeah, no, it's, it's, and unfortunately I'm sure we, and I want to talk about this in a, in a little bit, but three guns aren't as prevalent across the United States. It's very small in whether it's PCSL kind of do the multi-gun or like Zoo City does a great stuff here. I know Rio Salado does a ton, but like there's just not the capacity to have three gun all over the country. So yeah, mm -hmm. you're limited into a very small group of people that do change, but most of them stay the same for years. So yeah, it's yeah, kind of hard or, to grow. Uh, is it like the balkanization? Is that the idea? Or I, I don't know, maybe I'm using the wrong term, but um, it's like, you know, when the, when the United States first started it was a loose association of states or a united association of states right and we've kind of gone like federalist on this but like three gun doesn't have a uh, main sanctioning body um right. a lot of a lot of podcasts on the three gun show have been talking about the uh 
um, the need for a overarching sort of rule set and like a sanctioning body type of thing. And there's a lot of resistance to that. And, and that's honestly one of the things I really like about three gun is like the outlaw nature of it, but it doesn't make for um, a unified sport. It doesn't make for a unified rule set. It's different everywhere you go. Like, Oh, here you can use coupled magazines and here that's considered a tripod for some reason. Yep. And uh, there's a lot of things that go along with that, but then if you don't like unite and organize, you'll never really become any, anything greater than the sum of its parts. Right. Like, right. uh, like NASCAR, for example, um, unified a bunch of outlaw racing. So, um, yeah, it's, that's, it's a good and bad thing about uh three gun is like the people you meet typically have like a very, um, libertarian or entrepreneurial mindset of like, I'll do it myself. And that's right. a great thing. Great. You don't need permission to anyone to start up a match. But then on the <laughs> other hand, it's like some people's ideas aren't that great. And the shooters are the ones that suffer at the end of the day, because <laughs> yeah. it's been a whopper. There was one time where I forgot which one, I think it's the, the United Multigun League where it's like, you have to use at least two firearms per stage. And so someone just did like all pistol and they're like, cool, you've got a huge penalty. And they're like, wait, what? Cause they don't read it means too much to keep up with honestly yeah and honestly like it was it was really bad in the uh um in the early days of when i started shooting like you had to read every rule set before you went and um a lot of match directors saw that as an issue and kind of like molded things together and um tried to tried to create a lot of commonality on their on their own at least a lot of the match directors that got it yeah. and then there's a lot of match directors that didn't they wanted to stay independent and some of those matches don't exist anymore yeah a lot don't actually there's been a lot of changes i'm sure you've seen that um, oh yeah god i can't even imagine how much like that's changed so uh, before he dives too far in the three gunning stuff, I did want to go back to the podcast stuff too and changing the name because that's something we fight in terms of censorship. You kind of got mm -hmm. in early on too with, with podcasting or even social media where you didn't have censorship of the word gun or hashtags. You could actually search rifle and find all these rifle posts, right? So like, what has that evolution been for you on seeing all this happen? Cause like, I never even got into it before all of the banning and the censorship. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because when uh, when I started, um, the reason I started a podcast is is what exactly what you're talking about is like I own the media, I own or I pay someone to host it, and if that person decides I can't host my stuff there anymore, well, they never actually look at it or anything, and if they decide I can't host my stuff there anymore, there's a thousand other places I can go. It goes through an RSS feed, like right to your phone. If Apple decides that they don't want me in the Apple Store or now Spotify decides they don't want me in the Spotify, whatever it's called, then by the RSS feed, you can still share that with people. I can still share it with people. Um, I maintain an email list uh, for that reason as well, um, because I own the email list. And, um, you know, there's, I guess I, I got fortunate early on listening to a lot of um, content about um, content about content creation. And it was, a lot of people had at the time that I got started, there was a lot of people that had businesses built on the back of Facebook, excuse me, and didn't decide to uh, build a website. Mm -hmm. And uh, Facebook changed their organic reach. Um, this is a long time ago. Uh, so many people may not be aware of this, but it used to be when you posted something on a business page, it would actually get to the people that followed you. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and they know, <laughs> and all <laughs> odd, right? And they no longer do that. So that's the reason I chose uh, podcasting. <clears throat> Excuse me. But then uh, 
Um, the other thing at the time was like, oh, they're going to ban uh, videos on YouTube. And you may remember uh, FPS Russia. Do you remember him? Yep. Yeah. So he was super popular. And that was YouTube's uh, view of the gun world was that was what FPS Russia was doing, which is not necessarily the most responsible stuff. It was cool. Yeah. I laughed, but it wasn't very <laughs> responsible. And uh, uh, anyhow, so that's the reason I didn't go into uh, into YouTube. But um, I, I guess I always knew like I needed like Instagram or Facebook following of sorts to like yeah. keep up with that. And then the other interesting thing, like we just talked about with podcasts is that it's tough to get feedback. So I always was just like, hey, let's uh, continue the conversation on Instagram or let's continue on Facebook or whatever. And, uh, you know, here we are. 10 years later, the RSS feed still exists, change the name. And it's, it's funny. Like if I, if I would have start if I would have started it, well, I'm happy the way everything turned out. Right. Cause three gun show is immediately recognizable as this is a show about three guns, like the tonight show. And yep. at the time there was like three gun nation, three gun was on television when I started, yep. um, or had just recently re- been removed from television. And, um, so it was easily recognizable with that. Now, Prep and press doesn't mean anything, didn't mean anything. I have momentum from the other stuff, right. but I also have those sweet shadow bands from uh, Instagram and Facebook. And uh, yeah, so it didn't really change anything as far as like the uh, the social media goes. It only yeah. changes things in the perception going forward. Yeah. And ironically, like now, the as far as social media platforms go, the most free one out there is Twitter, which was the most restrictive when I started. Yep. And the most, or the second one would be YouTube. And then the most restrictive would be Facebook. And second most restric- restrictive would be Instagram, Snapchat and TikTok didn't exist. Yep. So it's, it's funny how like the marketplace changes and all, all those, all those uh, folks that I was worried about um, getting just completely wiped from the earth on, on YouTube now have like several million followers and, and big businesses based on, based on that. So they did, they did okay. Cause they stuck with it. Well, and then I know the insider stuff with them is that they actually like YouTube won't help you out getting started. But if you can get past their algorithms, then you get a YouTube rep who will literally go through your content, fight for you. They're a human being. They're not a robot. And mm-hmm. because like I know the inside of like what these creators make for YouTube, um, they can't afford to not have them creating content. So they work with these yep. these guys that are gun people because they're like, oh, this makes us a ton of money. And so they can't, but you have to get to the level for them to care, to get you an actual human being. Yeah. They're the, they're the necessary evil. Right. So yeah, you, you, they, they don't, they don't like guns because they don't understand them, but then they love the revenue that they bring in and the audiences. So yeah. Yep. It's kind of a circle. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. But like you said, like you got to, Man, you got to break through. And I, yep. what's what's that number? What number do I got to get to to uh, to have someone at U- or uh, YouTube care about me? Because right it now, like, they don't the even time. respond to my tweets. <laughs> it changes all the time. At one point, it was like a thousand subscribers. Now it's probably going to be like a hundred thousand subscribers before you get your little yeah. silver. And they're like, "Oh, you're banking content." But yeah, I don't know what that that looks like. Yeah, it's just like point oh oh one percent of Mr. Beast, so it's always moving. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, the other thing that you did, I remember when you post your millionth, uh, download for three gun mm-hmm. show too. I remember that milestone. That was pretty big. And then the other thing that you did really right, um, I just haven't dove into, but like partnering with companies to do the giveaways and then you've got your swag. Like, you, I mean, you built a whole entire brand around this, but 
you know, what yeah. was that like trying to dis- uh, like establish relationship with the companies doing the giveaways? Like how did that kind of come about? Uh, it was really hard. And I mean, it, it continues to be difficult. Like I've been very fortunate that I have um, several people that have, that took a chance and then have supported me a lot since. And uh, they, they understand uh, new media and they get it. Um, this is going to be a surprise to you, but most of the firearms industry doesn't know what the hell they're doing with new media marketing. And um, not they a surprise at all. <laughs> yeah. They're like, uh, Oh, uh, we have X amount of budget to spend. How much should we spend with uh, John Scouten? And then how much with Michael Bain? And then the rest will throw into magazines. And uh, I don't know about you, but I haven't bought a magazine in 10 years. And I least. don't have cable, no offense, but like I've been on Shooting USA and I've never watched it. I've never seen me on Shooting USA. I've never <laughs> watched Michael. I feel really bad. Sorry, John. Um, I just saw him at like the PRS match I shot and he interviewed me and he's like, oh, we'll have this whole story about you shooting as an amateur with your pro and interviewed him. And I'm like, cool. I'll never see it. Yeah. I don't hey, have buddy, put it on YouTube so someone will watch it because nobody watches cable anymore. He said he wouldn't do that. We talked about that. He's like, there's, yeah. there's no, there's still people, I guess enough people. You know what? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, the right things. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was at, um, gun site, same thing. And like Michael Bain was recording and I'm like, we've got a whole women's class of women, ladies actually drawing from concealment, like trying out new gear and guns and Ruger's right down the road. They sponsored it and had no media. Like, cool. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's a total bummer. Um, you know, Michael Bain, like I used to watch uh, John Scouten, um, the senior, and um, Michael Bain and stuff like that on on TV, but that was like 20 years ago. And they make great content, and they I'm sure they still do. Um, it would be cool if there was like some sort of like crossover or if, uh, um, I don't know, uh, their organizations were amenable to like YouTube or even like Twitter now or something like that, but... I don't know. Cable's like a cable's like a black box. It's like Netflix. Like you really know, never know how many people are watching or anything like that. You don't know the deals, or you don't know the deals that go behind the scenes and stuff to make that happen. And I don't know. It's it's not my expertise, so I won't speculate. But I've done <laughs> I've done plenty of that after hours. So yeah, yeah. Well, I know you've worked with a lot. I mean, I always think about Vortex Optics. I feel like every oh, yeah. single you know video or podcast I listen to, they're giving away something there for the channel, which was awesome. Yeah. So okay, now I remember your original question. I got sidetracked on the uh, the okay. uh, old. Media, I'm doing my but, job uh, right. This is my work. No, I appreciate that. You're like <laughs> Dave over here. Look at over here. Uh, yeah. So the the giveaways were great, right? Because um, it helped boost like the uh, the email list and um, the podcast in general. Like podcasts are uh, incredibly hard to grow because there's no like algorithm back in anything to put it in front of uh, stuff. So for anyone listening who doesn't know exactly how it works, like it. Um, ordinarily, like take guns out of the situation. Like ordinarily, if you uh, make a post on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, or whatever, um, they will show that post to a certain amount of your audience, whether it's five people or five hundred thousand people. And then they'll that tests like how well that post does, and then they'll show it to other people, which is called organic reach. There's none of that for podcasts. So you put a podcast out there. If you don't tell anyone about it, no one ever finds it. You know, and the in the old days when again when I started the uh um you could stack iTunes your iTunes listing with keywords like people would stuff keywords on websites way back in the day for SEO purposes. Mm-hmm. So when uh when I started like hey <laughs> uh this is a 
podcast about Thriga Nation, USPSA, IDPA, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, we've had such amazing people as Jerry Mitchellek and Greg Jordan, Keith Garcia. You know, like you put all those things in there and just hope like someone's going to be like, oh, that uh, Keith Garcia won again and type it into iTunes, you know. So that worked. Uh, No longer works, which is kind of a bummer. Um, So you need you need something to entice people to be a part of your show. So whether that's them sharing it, um, which if you have like a good relationship with your audience and they enjoy your content, they'll share it. Uh, But a lot of people don't know all these things that, Hey man, like it'd be really cool if you told someone about this thing I'm doing over here, because that really helps me. Um, Also the way I frame it is like uh, that guy that sucks at your club match. Tell him. (laughs) <laughs> tell him about it because like it may help him not suck so bad and uh share the one about resetting if he's not a resetter you oh know? that's my fave <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so the uh the giveaways really help it in that sense because it gets people to share your content and then people that also see that there's giveaway um you know if you have like a tool that uh not not makes them, but compels them to sign up for the uh, the giveaway by either subscribing to your YouTube channel or Instagram or whatever you're trying to promote at the time. Uh, that really helps as well. Yeah, yeah. Now diving into like that kind of world actually is the partnerships I want to talk about is match sponsorships. So I mean, not just match events, trade shows. I mean, you name it. You and I have been probably in the back end more than a lot of people of reaching out to companies, getting sponsorships for whatever we're doing, or just know, because we're friends mm-hmm. with so many of these people that are sponsors of matches events, we know how little ROI they get, how little exposure they get, sometimes little thanks that they get. Um, yeah. We've even seen the opposite too, where we've seen them kind of crushed on social media when they just sponsored or supported something. That's really bad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but all of that stuff adds up positive or negativity, negatively, I guess, to the future of like whether or not they're going to support something. Whether it's your event, somebody else's, you know, or what, or a person. Like, I mean, they've kind of been burned, right? So, I kind of want you to go through like a shooter etiquette, maybe on like how to support these match sponsors at the event, after the event, if you can. <laughs> what have you seen? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm. I've seen seen a lot for sure. Like, I I um I co put on a match, so I'm a co match director uh, for Big Ben Blast and Dash in Colorado which is a 5k running gun I do with my buddy, Mike. He does the, uh, like physical on the ground stuff. And I do a lot of the behind the scenes, like social media and sponsor coordinating and stuff like that. So I've done it from that perspective. Yep. Um, reaching out to matches and asking for things. Obviously I've had, you know, thousands of conversations over the last uh, 10 years. And then, um, I also worked for a rifle company where people solicited me for, Mm -hmm. uh, match support. So I have, I have several different perspectives on it that I've personally um, been a part of. And then, uh, you know, as well as like a lot of, a lot of good friends in the, uh, the industry as well. So yeah, you're, you're, you're right. Like it, I think it goes back to what we were just talking about at YouTube, right? Like um, YouTube gun channels are a pain in the ass for Google, but they want them because they create revenue. Right. So uh we as shooters are very fortunate uh for sponsors donating to matches but they're fortunate that matches exist because they're not allowed to advertise on television radio instagram facebook twitter youtube etc so they don't have a lot of options as far as like where their stuff goes and excuse me where their advertising dollars go so their their options like trade shows matches and stuff like that 
Um, so I feel like some of the best practices from like a match perspective is have a uh, like a vendor area and offer that to your your uh, your match sponsors. It's like, do you want to come here and do you want a demo? Maybe we can get you a demo bay. Maybe there's an extra bay that the range isn't using that we could use for a demo, or we could, you know, have just like a, like a showcase table or something like that, where you can have your products. Um, I think uh, Jeff Kirkwald Memorial match does this really well. They always have vendor tables set up uh, literally right behind the shoot off that happens on the the second day. So when people are like standing there, all they got to do is turn 180 degrees and they're, you know, staring at a uh, cool new product from, you know, places like American defense manufacturing, Vortex, Obsidian arms, et cetera. So awesome. it's, yeah, it is, it is. And that's like a clever way to do it. And the, uh, the lesson there is like, you got to give re- people a reason to go. Yeah. So, um, Kalash bash, Texas does this really well. They, um, that's have more of an event too, though. They do a really good job of making that both an event and a match. Yeah. 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 The, the first, the first year that it happened, I was at the first match and it was kind of a shock as far as like, <laughs> what the hell are all these people doing here and why aren't they shooting the match? And so it was, it was kind of a surprise. And I think it was a surprise to a lot of the vendors as well, Yeah, where they weren't expecting so many people to come through and, um, you know, shoot their machine guns and stuff. But, um, but yeah, those, those folks will stand in line for hours to shoot absolutely everything. So I think it, it comes down to um, like a culture thing, right? Like those people don't really care how they do at a match for the, for the most part. So uh, they're there for the experience. And part of that experience is going and picking up that Galil and ripping a mag off, you know? So, um, yep. Yep. so I, I, but, but Kalash Bash creates those opportunities for them to do so. Right. And it has, has them near like the food trucks, has them near like the, the hangout tent or whatever yep. event tent that they have. So they, it's all about hurting people and trying to get them to, uh, to go to those tents. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's step one, I think is, is give, uh, vendors an opportunity to be there and get them, uh, get them in front of the customers. hundred percent. I, I know like Tom Casher did a little, a really good job with that at South Carolina sectional, which was USPSA, but he had a huge vendor area. He did a little, um, actually he gave all of the, like the guns prizes away to people that did stamp collection of visiting all the vendors Oh, that's cool. Um, that's where the food was too. Yeah. It's like, and then he built it into the match and that's a little bit harder to do, but built it in where like one of your stages is stopping by the vendor area. So you have dedicated time to be there. Oh uh, yeah. That's a great idea. But yeah, then so- I, it, it blows my mind though. When some of these ranges, they don't even have a side in bay, a zero bay. Like what if there's people that fly all over the country and like, if you don't even have a test fire bay, so it's not fair for vendors. I think in my opinion, it's fair ish, but it's like they come out and they have their guns on on display, how do you know how it recoils? What's the trigger like? Like, how, like you got to be able to play with it. So it's really hard when these ranges are like, we can't dedicate a bay to, to live fire. I'm like, dude, how yeah. do you try have, you, have you ever been to a new car show? Uh, I can't say that I have. I'm not a car person. So, so there's, there's like car shows, tons of car shows, right? So the I'm a classic truck girl, car. Dave, truck girl. There you go. Overland Expo. Have you ever been to Overland Expo? No, but that's on my list. That is it's, on my list. It's freaking awesome. So Overland Expo is like kind of the opposite of where I was going from that. New car show is like, it's basically just like in a convention center and then you stare at the cars. Yeah. Like, oh, that's the new uh, Mustang. Can I drive it? Uh, no, we can't start them up in here. Like, sweet. <laughs> but Overland Expo is like the other side of that, right? So that's the Kalash Batch type of, of deal where you know, Ford had their Broncos out where you could go and drive them. And, uh, 
Toyota had their Tacomas where you could go and drive them and they had like whoops set up where you could, uh, you know, I don't know, drive off camber, you know, in a, a stock vehicle, which sounds frightening and not honestly look frightening from the outside. But, <laughs> but then, you know, they also have like the displays for vendors and stuff where they, you know, sell their cool max tracks and, and, uh, little tents and things like that. So they're $5,000 tents that you sleep in yeah. times <laughs> your whole life. <laughs> yeah. But if you, uh, if you're driving on it in, uh, if you're driving with the tent on your car, anywhere in Colorado, you look cool at the local brewery. So we do. we've digressed, but yes, you need to have the experience of actually not just sitting and looking at something. It's actually getting to test it. I remember shot show, like, um, at the range, they had the Rambo bikes. They let me on the Rambo bikes, didn't sign wow. a waiver, and I was like, <laughs> "They must not know you, huh?" They don't know me at all. I'm like, are you sure you don't want to have something just like a handshake? Aren't you accident prone? Do no, hundred percent. Not... I they oh go like fifty miles per hour. Plus, it was like winding and raining, and it was on like the rocks of Vegas. I'm not used to Nevada. Oh my god, it's awesome. Oh jeez. I almost ran into a pole twice and I was trying to video myself while doing it. And then I quit. So I gave up on content <laughs> out of <laughs> protecting my body. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. It's surprising how not surprising that is. That was so good. But anyways, yes. Yeah, so, okay. Option one <laughs> for that is to have an experience for the vendors. Yeah. To actually, yeah. Have hands off with their products. <laughs> Oh, yeah, but there are, there are definitely a lot of vendors that don't go to matches. So from like a match director perspective, um, it's, you know, it's important to uh, set up that prize table beforehand so people can peruse it because that is basically their view of who contributed to this, uh, this match as, as a sponsor. Um, the other thing, you know, Texas three gun does this really well. I, I set a bunch of these signs with, with uh, Garrison England one year is they put banners out. Um, but they don't like, they don't just like lump them all together in like this little banner wall that's off in, in the nowhere land. Mm -hmm. Like they, they have like, oh, this is going to be a shooting position. Let's put the Magpul banner right behind it. Uh, this is a shooting position. Let's put the Vortex banner right behind it. So when you yes. get in the photos and videos from the match, the uh, match sponsor banners are always in it. Yep. So they do a really good job of that. Like that's. That's like the basic uh, of what you can uh, what you can do. So this is kind of a little messed up. Maybe you'll enjoy this, but uh, the best banner, and I say banner because it wasn't uh, that we ever did for Hunter's H. Gold, is we did a life size cutout of Brian and put it on the, <laughs> the actual angled like wall reach out. So there, he almost got shot, but he didn't. There was more <laughs> videos and more tags of Brian not at the match because he was at my gal's day than at the match. So the vendors that are there, I felt bad because they're getting less media exposure than Brian because of all these like first person cameras or pictures. I'm crying laughing at this whole situation. <laughs> I'm like, that was the best damn media exposure. We're going to not send banners. We're sending life-size cutouts of Brian. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, have uh, get one of him doing the Burt Reynolds on like a bearskin rug or something like that for oh my low God. port. He would let me do that. So let's not recommend. Uh, I'll text him after this. I'll let him know. Oh. No. So you shouldn't feel bad about something like that. Like that, that is just, you should pat yourself on the back. Like that is just good marketing. You know, like that's guerrilla marketing. Bill uh, Duda and Brian and all their shenanigans of these, these ideas, they work. But then I just, I, I don't know if that feels bad and taking away from other people though, too, you know, no. Sucks to suck. You gotta be better. It's, <laughs> it's a competition. <laughs> like 
we're, we're all out here trying to get eyeballs. And so if you're not getting, if you're getting more eyeballs than someone else, you shouldn't yeah. feel bad. Then it wasn't even there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It worked. It did. I call that a win. Like, uh, do you work for Hunter's HD Gold? I do. I do all their marketing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you should uh, put that on your uh, um, yearly uh, evaluation, like yeah. this. You know, <laughs> epic. <awesome. laughs> yeah, epic cutout. And that's why, By if you way, listen to this podcast, Brian, we should do this for every match. It'd be a little bit more expensive, but I'm telling you, it's worth it. Yeah, I mean, if you're talking about like exposure, for sure. Yeah, you just got to, you know, think of uh, crazy new ways to to make cutouts of them. Yep. Well, I did a llama patch this year that sold out in a couple of days and it sold other products too. And I was like, I'm going to do a whole farm animal collection. <laughs> and he's like, seriously, I'm like, you let me do what I want to do, but it works. Tactical llama. Nice. Well, he was a cute one though. Um, oh my gosh. Sorry. I've digressed again on that. <laughs> There's only a hundred made. This is very this is a cute one. <laughs> I have no tactical in any of uh, the names that I manage. Good Lord. Um, but going back to the other thing too, with, uh, the sponsorship and that I wanted to mention is like, how sticky is it? Um, cause I've done this and in a good way, but like how sticky is it for people that are already sponsored by, sh- by certain companies to go and make a post saying thank you to the competitor, right? Like, so they're saying thank you for sponsoring the match. Do's, don'ts, goods, bads. Yeah. So that's, that's one of those, um, it's it's one of those life lessons, I think. Like I, I've got a friend whose um, whose girlfriend gets mad at him when he's nice to the waitress, and so he's now just doesn't even look at the waitress. So, what does that have to do with anything with your relationship? You showing gratitude to someone right. for bringing you a cup of water or something like that. So I look at it that way. So, of the people that that I associate with, as far as like uh, sponsors go none of them would ever say anything to me for showing gratitude to someone who's in the same game or industry as them, which is match sponsorship for sponsoring a match. And, um, and you know, uh, I just had uh, a couple people on my show recently and we talked about a similar topic and, uh, Jeremy Gresham brought up who's the vice president of marketing at IWI sales marketing at IWI. He said, you know, they're, there's a difference between selling a product and showing gratitude. And you'll never, ever hear, uh, this is me adding on at the end, there, you'll never, ever hear anything from anyone about showing gratitude. And if you do, it shows you what type of person and what type of company that is. And maybe you don't want to associate with them originally. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's where the uh, girlfriend getting mad at the waitress thing comes in. So I want to say a, if this was a mutual friend or not. No, I don't think so. Okay. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Unless you went to high school with me, I don't think it's a it's a mutual friend. <laughs> no. No, that's good advice. So I think a lot of us can be a little bit better, you know, not just social media too, but like shoot, sending off an email is something simple. Mm-hmm. Um, I write cards because <laughs> I'm really weird and old school, but just like little things that just says, Hey, I recognize the value, the time, the effort, and the money, everything you put into this that made it happen for us shooters. Thank you. Simple. Yeah. You know, one of the one of the weird things that that I wouldn't have thought of unless uh, unless I had worked at a company was that um, an email that only one person sees goes farther than like say a social post or something like that, right? And the the reason is that um, a company does not exist on Instagram. A company exists in like a building, corporate environment, a shop, whatever. And so when you email someone, 
it's easily forwardable and it's a uh it's like a um i guess it's it's like a, a culture thing of forwarding emails right yeah like fyi look at this hey you should know about this meetings or a delay in material or whatever it is so when you forward a a, a piece of gratitude from a shooter or a match to say a superior or something like that they see a lot of value in that because that's how they communicate in their day-to-day as a professional in in the um, actual business of selling whatever it is. Right. So that, I think, uh, that goes a long way, and it's not something I really thought about. Um, everybody uh, loves to get good mail. Everybody hates junk mail <laughs> or bills. <laughs> so when when uh, when you get, like, a thank you card at, at your job or something, like, that automatically goes on the wall. Like, I walked into uh, JP Rifles one uh, one year or one time years ago, and I was surprised to see how many um, cards were along the wall and awards and framed, um, you know, certificates and things like that from matches yep. from, like, a long time ago. And those stick around forever. So while your Instagram post is gone um, in the algorithm and maybe eight people saw it, depending on your following, your Facebook post may get, you know, into your, uh, your aunt or your uncle's uh, view or something like that. An email may go up the chain to like the marketing director or even the, you know, person setting the, uh, the budget, like a, a card gets stuck on the wall and no one takes a card down, you yeah. know, <laughs> so, yeah. at least at a business anyway. Yeah. No, I think that's a beautiful, beautiful thing on wall said. Um, I got to ask this because I want to know how many DMs did you get, whether it was like to you personally as you or like to the brand that you worked with of just like people wanting free stuff, shooters saying sponsor me, like, and then looking at their profile and being like, you got two followers, bro. Or like, (laughs) you've done no content or I mean, like every single day of my life, I think is that kind of thing. Hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Yeah. So I got a lot of that. There's, there's a lot of weird, like, um, pussyfooting around, you know, it's like, like when you got a new bike and your buddy's like, Oh, that's a cool bike. Uh, do you want to ride it? You know, it's like people are like, you're, you're working at a rifle company now. Oh, that's pretty cool. It's like, Oh, uh, yeah, it's great. And then it's kind of long, awkward pause. Like, are you going to do it? Ask it, ask it, you know, you want to, but yeah, there's there's a lot of that. There's um there's some uh some weird things as well of um like when when I left that company, like all of a sudden I didn't hear from people that I heard from all the time, you know? And so yeah, there there's a lot of, people are friggin' weird no matter where you're at. But uh but yeah, the the sponsor me thing was was kind of awkward, but yeah. it, it wasn't like awkward in a bad way it's just like god be better at this like you suck so bad you know um that's one thing i i i look at and this you know may sound like uh sour grapes or whatever but i look at like sponsored shooters and i just think like uh like what are you doing like you are a a professional salesperson or whatever like if you put the effort into going out and selling more widgets of whatever it is your company makes, you could probably bonus better this quarter, but instead you're like hustling a company for a 10% discount on powder. That that doesn't make sense to me. Like I never, I never understood that. Like uh, one of the, one of the best people in um, I guess like branding and in, in getting eyeballs on content that, that has ever existed is Ken Block. Right. 
a hit. It's like Ken Block and Harry Houdini, right? And Ken Block existed in the the uh, the social media time, and he basically created a brand around uh, just being a dork around uh, a racetrack, right? And it's not like he did that so forward to give him ten grand off of a focus. <laughs> you know, it's like there's a significant race program behind that. But in the firearms industry, like so many people are willing to work for a discount on a rifle or a free uh, whatever it is, a free widget. Like it, it devalues everyone else who are actually trying to make a go at it. Yep. And it devalues the industry as a whole because it creates a lot of noise. And it's, it's, uh, yeah, it just it creates a lot of noise. It's, it's just silly. Yep. So, yep. There's very few of them that do it right, but the ones that have like a shooting resume, have a shooting schedule, so I know where they're going. Um, that can give me kind of even even seeing the social posts that they've already done. Like so many of these people, be like I plan on doing this or I want to do this with content, but hasn't actually done anything on their own. It's like, well, I need to see that for probably a good year before I'm even going to invest in something. If you're not going to do it now for yourself, well, how? Why would you do it for anybody else? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a really good point. Like, um, you, you know, years ago I listened to, uh, Adam Kroll a lot when I was at a job where I worked with my hands and he was like the only podcast out there. This is like 2005 or something like that. So like, I've been listening to podcasts for a long time. And, uh, Corolla said that he got his job in radio because he showed up and did the shit jobs that nobody else wanted to do. Like he drove the radio van to set up and then he, um, uh, would do the uh, events. He'd be there early. He'd be there late. And then one day they're like, Hey, so-and-so is not coming in. Can you get on the radio? Boom. There you go. Yep. So like, you gotta, sh- if, if that's what you want to do, like you got to show up and do that job uh, for free before someone's willing to compensate you for it. Yep. Yep. hundred percent. Is there anything else you want to encompass in that world before I change topics? <laughs> I think more people should, uh, like, like if you do want to be a sponsored shooter, more people should create, um, content and not on Instagram and not on Facebook. And the reason is, uh, did you see that post that I did, um, in 2017? I think it was like right around November. Did you see that one? Uh, well, you're gonna have to give me more context than that. That was right when I was getting into it. Exactly. It's gone. Like everything on oh, Instagram and Facebook. Oh, you're doing it on purpose. Yeah, you're everything... evil. Because you actually <laughs> not believe how many things I do stick in my brain. <laughs> just you look on your face, so you're like, should I know this one? I um, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but my point, my point is like the, I look at like stats uh, on the podcast like monthly, and yeah. you can see people are still downloading the very first episode of the Three Gun Show mm-hmm. that I did with uh, Greg Jordan, right, yep. and they're still downloading the Jerry Mitchell episode and they're still downloading this and they're still downloading that. And like, it's, it's, it's remarkable, but those little like ones and twos that come in on, on those pieces of content every week create a lot of downloads. Right. And the same thing on, on YouTube uh, videos, there's a video that I did with, uh, or that I did on the uh, IWI Masada. Um, gosh, I think this was like 2018 maybe, or maybe it's even, no, no, no had to be, yeah, it was 2018. And like that, that continually is one of the, the highest resources for subscribers to my YouTube channel, even over like the typical hour long podcast that we do. So, um, but I don't get new people following me off of a 
you know, braid a shotgun post I did in 2017, you know, like that, that stuff doesn't exist. So think, think like long-term of where you want to be. And when, when, when most people think long-term, like I'm going to be shooting for the rest of my life. And that's not realistic for most people. If you go back on the people that I interviewed in 2015, when I first started it, uh, I, I bet you would find of the, the, I think 60 episodes that I did that year, 50 episodes, 60 episodes, whatever I, I did the first year, you'd be hard pressed to find someone who still goes to matches like a lot. This is for most people, it's a hobby. Yep. And what hobby do you go do where you're like, you know what? I would love to go do that hobby, but first I'm going to get sponsored. So <laughs> my thing is like, is like do something interesting and then get sponsored rather than try to get sponsored and then think you're going to do something interesting because you have a cool t-shirt build a person, build a personal brand. Like, you know, the, like the Ricky Bobby thing with the Puma on there. And it says me like create your own brand. And if you want a cool racing shirt, like go make yourself a cool racing shirt. Don't everybody else does. Yeah, that's like the the way to do it. That's what I did with the three gun show. Like I wore three we gun show jerseys for a long time. We can't tell people the truth. What's that? I said, shush. We can't tell people the truth that they can go make their own jersey, slap whatever logos on it, and just yeah, a professional shooter. <laughs> Dude, there, man. There, there's okay. That's another thing. It's like <laughs> here's another thing. When you watch, uh, again, the aforementioned Ken Block. You know, there's Monster on the side of his car. Do you think that's because he drank a bunch of Monster? Or you think Monster gave him a shitload of money to be on on his car? So just because you like, uh, you know, X, say Monster, just because you like Monster, like, don't create yourself like a Monster shooting jersey. First of all, Monster is very litigious. That was probably a bad example. But, like, you look like a dork because everybody knows you're not sponsored by Monster. And most of us know the people in marketing at Monster, as an example. And we can ask that question like, hey, this guy over here that uh, has your jersey on it, uh, I, I've never seen him at a match before. How'd you guys get to sponsor him? Oh, we don't sponsor him. He just put our logo on his jersey. Yep. That's weird. Yep. That's really weird. Don't do that. That's 90% of USPSA, though. Is it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yep. Oh, we just love your brand. We just want to use the logo. We just want to put it on there. And like, dude, you need to get out there a little bit more and see some things because it's unbelievable. <laughs> Yeah, buy a t-shirt. This is why I made a pickle jersey. I'm not taken seriously at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But good points all around. Um, so I do want to switch gears, but I do like that little yeah. wrap in a bow. Do something first because that is really important. And then, yeah, yeah. Um, add your value first, I would say. the I want to go back to three-gun because, like, obviously, we're three-gunners. So I still want to talk about this. Um, so I'm sure. preparing, actually, to shoot tack ops again which is disgusting because who wants to shoot exactly this is adam's (laughs) fault adam litke and them signed up forever ago they needed a third teammate for the three-man three-gun he works Uh at hollow sun and we are shooting iron sights and i'm like bro i have to take my (laughs) offset red dot off i have to take my red dot off my pistol like how to find no 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 (laughs) you've done so do you you shoot uh open then Uh uh-huh this huh. is gonna be so painful. Well, and I just yeah. dove into open. Um, I and I want to talk about modified and carry optics and all the things because the future guys is red dots and open is the race division, and it's way more fun. I'm just gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> Even as a woman, way more fun to hand, handle a shotgun. Um, but for you, what's like 
we're talking about all of the gear, all of the organization. Dude, I don't think I have a, a way to keep it straight. Do you actually travel well with all of your gear? Uh no. No, <laughs> I think you're talking to the wrong guy. So when I when I traveled around the country shooting matches, I, I had everything I owned with me. Right. Literally everything I owned. So right. uh including my dog. And mm-hmm. so it, it if I needed something, it was either in the trailer or I didn't own it. Um so my my recommendation is get yourself good friends. I've got uh, Jay Christensen and James Giller, my two favorite people. And uh, uh, I guess, you know, Amax and Forrest Lathrop would be close second uh, on both those because those guys, those guys carry everything. You know, fi- find an over-preparer and then latch yourself onto them if you're not a, uh, yeah, exactly. If you're not into prepping for stuff and you're not the person that keeps every tool with you, mm-hmm. uh, yeah find yourself an over-preparer and then uh, make, make friends with them fast. So that's my you, thought, but have you shot one though, without your, your van life? You've, you've had to have shot. Yeah. So like, oh, yeah, what do you do yeah, then? Yeah. like ammo cans, you have like a little gun cart or do you do like it's the deck system? It's terrible. They're like, Dave, you're on deck. I'm like, I don't know where my shotgun is. Like, give me a minute here. No, uh, I actually, <laughs> I actually bought a, uh, voodoo bag years ago. It's like the voodoo tactical or something like that. Three gun bag. Yep. And um, it weighs 70 pounds empty, which is wonderful because then when you load it up with everything you need, it's like uh, 220 pounds on your back and you get to carry that around the match. Um, but it was like half off at the NRA show. So I could not, uh, I could not, not buy Those are it expensive. it was a good deal. Those yeah. are way too expensive, Dave. It, yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't have bought it if it wasn't half off. But that said, like it was definitely designed by a three gunner, yep. um, Mark Roth in this case. And um, it, it houses like everything I need as far as like mags and stuff like that go. Um, I try not to put my ammo in it because like I said, it does get to be like 200 pounds on your back when you do uh, throw your ammo and stuff into it. Um, But typically, so like I, I, I'm not the overly gear guy. Like I'm very fortunate in what I do that I get a lot of gear sent to me for evaluation and stuff like that. Yeah. But then but then when uh when I'm done, like it goes on a shelf and like it becomes like the telltale heart. Like now I have something else I have to figure out, right? Like what am I going to do with that thing? Um, like but, my uh, Tupperware that you saw behind the scenes, yeah. <laughs> containers of parts and holsters, like haha. Yeah, I I got that stuff in the garage too. I've got so many plastic bins full of uh full of stuff. And it's all good stuff. It's just yeah. like uh there's just a lot of it. You especially can't use like, it all at one time. Yeah, for sure. Like especially, you know, as a as a three gunner cuz there's a lot of stuff that we need. But I try to go with like the as little as possible as what I need. So, like if if you're you know, if you're a, a new three gunner or if you're like considering upgrading your gear, I, I always recommend the Safari Land ELS um, stuff because a lot of people use it. In fact, most people use it. And then you can borrow things from people if you if you don't have it. Like yep. just uh, just last club match, you know, I, I showed up with uh, two shotgun caddies thinking like, oh, this this match has never shot a ton of shotgun in the, in the time that these match directors have been here. And I get there and there's like an all shotgun stage and it's like, Shh. yep. and I'm walking around, like looking at everybody's belts. Like, Hey man, you got a ELS. You, uh, you shoot, what division are you shooting? That's and dangerous so, to look down, Dave. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I got no I shame anymore. I couldn't do that. No, I'm like, no. Can I see your belt? <laughs> yeah. Just walk up to a dude like, Hey, ELS, huh? 
Um, That's the thing. It'd be 50 50. I'm like, get away from me, or like, yeah, I wanted to. <laughs> yeah, you might be surprised. I don't I know. know. I know. But, but yeah, but if you, if you do have ELS, like you can borrow stuff. Like for a long time, I had uh, like two uh, 2011 magazine pouches. And so uh, this is when I lived in Texas. So uh, Jay like basically would hand me one at the beginning of a match. And he's like, just give that back when we're done. I'm like, all right. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, same thing, like with, you know, shotgun caddies and stuff like that. Like I try to go as minimal as possible, but if I'm going to like a big match, like if I were going to, uh, like for example, USPSA multi-gun nationals is coming up in a month. Like I know that there's going to be a lot of shotgun at that because it's in Minnesota. So I'm going to bring as many caddies as I have, and I'm going to bring a chest rig as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but I've flown for a couple matches and so you're like, oh man, like what can I, yeah. Have you ever flown for a match? I've flown for not a three gun match. Those I just, man, I can't do it. it. I've done the Minnesota. I did the Missouri and I just did two trips back to back. But like, if I think about trying to put that in a suitcase or any of that, oh, I yeah. would just want to slip my wrists. I would shit my ammo. <laughs> like I, again, yeah. I've flown with guns, check guns. That's not the hard part. It's this, no. the three gun gear part guys that like, yeah. especially when you've got like, if I think about when I travel and I have two per, like I bring a backup, it's like, cool. 60 grand is in my vehicle. So if I fly with that, <laughs> It's gone or it breaks. You know, Hector with IWI, he just had his Galil like mashed to pieces by American Airlines, destroyed. Oh, sweet. Uh huh. For AK Masters flying that out there, and I was like, that's that solidifies that. So no. Yeah, yeah. I I have a a friend that had a, a couple machine guns that went missing, oh. and uh, he's like, okay, well, I'll call the FBI, and all of a sudden they showed up. It's <laughs> pretty interesting. Um. Yeah. <laughs> So I guess that's the, that's the panic button is, uh, we're calling the FBI, but yeah. So I've, I've flown for several matches and I don't have a great way of doing it, but I have a way of doing it. And, uh, it's, it's pretty jank. I'll be honest, but I also fly with, uh, with podcast gear as well. So now I have to trade off like, well, do I bring this? Like, are we going to need three mics or should I bring four? And then like, man, I might not be able to get my shotgun caddy in there. So yeah, there's that part of it as well. But like, if I'm if I'm going to like a club match or something, you know, I bring like uh, two thirty round P mags, a thirty five and a forty, yeah. and then uh, um, it's not even worth bringing a D sixty anymore to what? a club match. To a club match. Oh, fair, fair. Because uh, they um, uh, they typically don't shoot a high round count, especially yeah. in the last like four years, right? Uh, because ammo has been so expensive. Um, but if I'm going to a major, obviously bring the the D60. But uh, but that typically goes in either the suitcase or you know the big case or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, I I'm probably not the best example of of people to uh, to follow. Like I'm the guy loading my mags the morning of and stuff no, like that. So no, I, I I had a picture in my head of Dylan Easley and his 500 MBX mags and all of them <laughs> loaded. And like that's where I'm like, if only. But I am so Type A. Um, all of my magazines has this like blue painter's tape on the side and they say burner or long range. So like, I know mm-hmm. that, or like even a coupled mag, one side's burner, one side's long range, all that stuff, which is really funny to me. So everything's preloaded, ready to go, depending on the stage too. So, yeah. Okay. It, so that's, that's interesting because I don't load my rifle mags, uh, because of, uh, burner versus long range. And so I, I take that back. Like I'll, I have like one 30 round P mag loaded all the time. And it just kind of like rides on the back of my belts, my, um, Oh shit mag. The back, and, yeah, back up, yeah. Yep. The OSM. Yep. And, uh, 
And so that one's always full, but like if you load a, a D60 full and then a you burner. get to a stage, you're <laughs> you like, stage yeah, exactly. on you're top. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. You're like, ah, oh, man, you know, I'm, I'm going to use that D60 instead of the 40 round. And then like a lot of times um, I'll, I'll, well, I typically shoot tax. So I'll, I'll choose a magazine based on the shooting position. Right. Uh, so um, you used you to be your like tripod? I would... your coupled mag is your tripod. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. My tripod. So typically like I would shoot like off of a 30 round magazine, which is not really comfortable for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, but now I have a um, higher scope mount. I went from 153 to 193, which you wouldn't think makes that much of a difference, but that drives, yeah, that drives me into a 35 round mag minimum to be on. And then, excuse me, if I'm shooting downhill, then it's going to be a 40 round mag. So I typically wait until, um, I'm on a stage before I, I load rifle mags. Now, pistol mags, yeah. you know, a lot of times I'll load those night before, but I have like, I have like 10 or 11, 2011 mags. And I've definitely been at a match on the first day with zero loaded, just like <laughs> stuffing them while the RO is talking. So <laughs> I tend not to, not to worry about much stuff. So God, you're such a boy. That, that's fair. <laughs> well, and it's, it's probably not a good thing, right? It's probably like a bad uh, character trait to not worry are. about things. That's where I was going. That's where I was going with that. It's like, it's probably a bad character trait, but at this point I'm not changing. So no, once I'm, <laughs> I, I'm almost like almost past 30, technically past the 30, but it's like, I don't care. <laughs> this is who I yeah. am. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, For, do you case gauge all your like shotgun ammo, especially I know it's like a big hell state. no. Really? Hell no. No. All my case gangers up there. No. Oh, that sounds terrible. That's uh that sounds terrible. No, I don't. But I don't shoot open either. Like maybe if I shot open, I would. I don't know. Okay, type A. So I'll skip over that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't have a cooler for my my shotgun ammo. I do, I don't do that yet. Yeah. Uh I do keep it out of the sun. That's about it. Yeah. 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 And so I do have mat uh I do have like major match shotgun ammo, and then I have like club match shotgun ammo, yeah. and then I have practice shotgun ammo. Dude, those double A's are still hard to find and they still are yeah. the match ammo. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Yeah. I bought a bunch of uh like Remington STSs a while back from a from a buddy, and those are actually pretty good. Um, so I've just been shooting those. Cool. Um, I want to get your take on this because I saw like we have the carry optics division in three gun, and like Zoo City just sent an email for Fall Brawl. They changed it to the modified division, which is what like Ipsic and stuff to be more standard with them. So I know you've talked about it on your own podcast, but if you want to mm -hmm. really quick kind of talk about like, I think the future is red dot optics, at least on the pistol, yeah. burn the iron sights. But how has that kind of changed our sport for the better too, to give people a little bit more opportunity to have fun? <laughs> yeah. It, well, it's, so it's, it's, uh, that's a really good point is that, uh, giving people the opportunity to, uh, have fun. So one, one thing that I, I really don't understand is like a, a lot of times, um, going to open is looked at as a, uh, as a bummer or a punishment, you know? And so people will say like, oh yeah, these, you know, new guys show up with uh, red dots on their pistols and we have to put them in open yeah. and that sucks for them. It's like, why does that suck for them? Like, were they going to win tack? You know, like, were they going to win? Cause they're new. Like there's right. no, there's no, uh, there's no situation that that happens. You know, it's like, I don't know, but, um, I always, I always think that's interesting is like bumping to open is a, is a bad thing, but now you just put them in modified division and, the this this came about so i think it was two years ago jeff kirkwell memorial um my buddy forrest who lives here in cheyenne and i went to the match and on the the ride home um we were talking about 
like, you know, there should be a division where you can shoot dot on a pistol and not be in open. And then we're like, okay, well, what would that division look like? And of course, like it's it's like 17 hours to uh, uh, Cheyenne from Minnesota. So we had plenty of time. And I think like all across Iowa, we had this uh, this debate. And like I had like my notebook out, got a pen and I'm writing stuff down and I'm like arguing for iron sights and this. And he's like, no, we got to do red dots for that. And then it's, you know, the bipod and this and this and this. And so uh, finally he got me because I was like, no, there shouldn't be red dots on pistol. And my, my whole thing was where this started from was tack was too much like open. So like, I feel like we shouldn't have D60s in tack, right? Yeah. And yeah, so I feel like that's a pretty simple thing. It's like, okay, that snowballed into what else would you change? And then um, I proposed new division rules, like let's bring tack into the modern era and put dots on stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, the the marketplace was like, hey, what if we created a whole new division and that became modified division? And turns out like behind the scenes, there were um, people that were in the process of writing rules and maybe unbeknownst to me, or maybe they told me and I forgot, but unbeknownst to me, we're writing rules for it to be a division in USPSA. So it was like kismet. It's like, this is what the universe wants, right? And um, so I put out a, an episode on the podcast, and it was just me because I didn't want to impl- uh, implicate anyone else. And holy shit, did I get a lot of feedback from uh, from people. Yeah. They did not want dots intact. And like I said, the, the marketplace just basically said like, oh, let's create a whole new division. And then now it's like it's... It's uh, the second most popular division behind open at yep. most matches. And, you know, unless it's like a tax specific match, like Duskin three gun, for example. Right. But, uh, but yeah, it like seriously took off. So you can have like a 2011 style pistol or less, like you can bring your Glock 34 or whatever uh, with the red dot for uh for pistol. The magazine length remains the same that we've always had of uh, 140 millimeters. Yep. And, uh, shotgun, this, this is my, my big thing. I'm really excited about this one. Shotgun, just load that bad boy full, right? So there's a, there's a capacity limit. I think it's, I think it's 13 plus one. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but load the shotgun full. I've always thought it was dumb that we downloaded the shotgun and that was like an antiquated rule that someone got around, uh, for, uh, the intent was to have full capacity, but the way the rule was written was kind of ambiguous. So, they had a longer tube. So then after the clock, you can plus up or after right. the buzzer, you can plus up. And that I always thought was stupid. It's like, we don't download anything else. Why are we downloading the shotgun? And holy shit, like just loading your shotgun full to mine's, I think 12 plus one completely changes the game. Like it makes it a whole new game. Your, your stage planning changes. And it, like on the surface, you think like, oh, it's only one quad load per stage. But there are times where you don't even need to reload your shotgun. Yep. And that's a significant thing for a lot of people who look at the shotgun as an obstacle to overcome rather than a uh, a tool to use. Right. I got to make so, fun of my, my friend Steve, too. He did a shorter tube. And so he can only do like the plus two at the start. So I'm like, hey, let's shoot modified. <laughs> <laughs> I, I giggle and I was like, you can have your cute little girl gun and I'll shoot the real gun. Because <laughs> mine's a longer barrel, a longer tube. <laughs> we load four at the buzzer. He's like looking at me. And I'm like, just saying, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. I've I've seen a lot of people with uh, like 11 round tubes. Yeah, or that's him. Or, yeah. Okay. So first of all, uh, that's not Why? divisible by four. Why are you doing that to yourself? <laughs> it's like, if you're loading quads, you're going to get 
two and three quarter in there and you're ditching a, sh- a shotgun shell every time. That's so silly. He's also a lefty. So honestly, he's just oh, confused. He, yeah. He's broken. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they didn't, be- they didn't beat him hard enough to get that out of him, but that's okay. But I love modified. Uh, so you're taking yeah. the shotgun full tube, which is awesome. Um, Cause yeah, the, the capacity is there. Might as well load it up. Like you said, if D60 is going full send, <laughs> we're going to have a mm-hmm. D100 by the time it's over. <laughs> well, <laughs> and you can have a, a red dot on your shotgun now. I haven't seen like a lot of people do that, but that is something you can do. I, yep. I think that's really interesting and exciting for, uh, for slugs. It, that's really cool. Yeah. I feel like that would be super useful. Like Texas three gun um, where oh, they, <laughs> yeah, they like to put like medium sized targets, like just far enough away to make it a pain in the ass. Huh? Like it's, it's not cool when the, the target is smaller than my front sight. I Dude, don't like I, that. I still whiffed it. So open shotgun, set up a tripod and went to a slug. <laughs> you set up a tripod? Oh, listen, if I'm in a game, okay, but this is my first time shooting open. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go full retard. I'm going to have two tripods. I brought, you know what? I brought my bag and like the mub plate thingy and every single open shooter on my squad used my gear the whole match. And they had all been shooting open longer than I have. <laughs> they used my Coltac, like big bag. We had a chair. It was a whole, it was really fun. Again, fun. <laughs> But I still miss the slug shot with a red dot on a tripod. Tiny Jeez. target, though. I'm like, I can't help myself. <laughs> so I don't know a whole lot about uh, open. Uh, but in in my experience shooting uh, slugs out of, like, tube guns, you can't brace on anything. You oh, have to shoot an open it. shotgun. Oh, you're saying that's the difference. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah it's my, I don't know about open shotguns. But I know that they're, like, AK-ish, right? They have, like, a, uh, a captured... Um, what's it called hangar and uh, uh op rod and stuff like that so my question was uh do you think that might have been something throwing you off there or what maybe or think it was- <laughs> i think it was also me because i hate <laughs> slugs so i i'm a pretty good pistol shot now with the red dot and i was even just shooting mechanic and every sage that had the slug or rifle or two with pistol i was shooting two with pistol and not missing yeah. like just two with pistol people were like jesus and i was like dude i hate slugs they don't impact where you want to go <laughs> i and like i can't get the good slugs anymore so i'm like i don't know where these go and so pistol <laughs> or rifle till i die dave <laughs> minimal <laughs> slug use <laughs> minimal yeah sl- slugs are slugs are interesting cuz it it's it's totally a novelty right like there's there's way better tool for the job than a than a slug as uh as patrick kelly would say it's like i have a rifle here why would i shoot be shooting 130 yards with a slug yeah so i totally get that and you know the the argument is like well it's a thing in the shotgun world and so we want to you know test all the skills of the shotgun i get that but yeah slugs slugs are difficult for sure um but once you get them dialed in it's it puts you so much farther ahead of everybody else Mm -hmm. because not there's not a lot of people that shoot slugs well. Aaron Hayes is one of these people that shoots slugs really well. Oh, yeah. And um I I watch him just like tink tink and then run. And whereas you know other people are like stuffing quads and stuff like oh that's where he's getting all his time here. He's not throwing extra quads. Yep. Smart. Smart man. Mm-hmm. Yeah for sure. Um so that's our little three gun adventure. I had to dive in there. Yeah. It's it's fun. I, I hope you have a good time at multi gun nationals. I'll let you know how tat goes after this weekend honestly. <laughs> I can't wait to hear. I can't wait to hear. I swear to God, I'm gonna have a whole eye closed trying to hit these. So I'm nervous about that part of it. I, I gotta say one more thing on modified division before we move on. So um, the uh, USPSA rules, and then a lot of people have adopted it, say that you can have a um, bipod on your rifle in in uh, 
uh, modified division. I think there's some stipulations there, but um, I, I'm obstinate and I don't like change. So even though I'm shooting modified division at some uh, club matches, I was still shooting off of my uh, magazines yeah. um, uh, as like a uh, monopod or bipod or something like that. Right. And uh, Forrest was like, dude, you can have a, a bipod. You own a bipod. Like, why are you not giving yourself the advantage? Like, oh, okay. That's a good point. So I tried it in the, the last match that we had and holy crap. Yeah. That, that really does change things. It makes, uh, like prone shooting, it makes uh, shooting uh, spinners at distance so much easier. Yep. And um, I hadn't shot off of a bipod uh, in a three-gun match up until that point because I had only ever shot tack. So, yep. yeah, big, big ups on that one. I'll post a video soon. Um, I'm getting the footage from a friend. But, uh, again, shot open for the first time. Absolutely fell in love. And I'm a terrible rifle shooter. I'll say that. I've gotten better. <clears throat> but when you introduce the stability and the bipod, I... Um, there's a 600 yard target and there were seven other ones or six other ones. There's a lot of targets. I mean, three guns turned into a little bit of PRS. I'll just say that so, <laughs> that's fine. But I, I, I was able to impact all these targets. I couldn't hit the 600. So I just shot like, I think two or three rounds moved on, came back. And like the video has me hit it finally at 600. And I just start like screaming like, yeah, <laughs> for me, that's been shooting for a decade and can't shoot these targets. I can't do the monopod uh you know p mag thing or the coupled i just i don't know that i mean i wanted to cry with excitement because even though it took me a half hour to get there i, I got there that's awesome it's so yeah. exciting to see that and like again by there's pod, no better feeling yeah yeah so it's so fun and then even when we shot ak masters people were making fun of me i had the best time with like pcc <laughs> and my galil was like 39 seconds when it was like a minute for people to shoot these stages and I'm, everybody's making fun of me i ran my bipod and you know what I had two hits on the mover, no problem. Like just <laughs> bipod, guys, bipod. <laughs> Shooting a bipod in an AK match. You got in the bus and you had four targets. You had to impact twice each, and one was a mover. I'd never shot a mover ever in my life. They weren't far, but again, off a little like you had to go prone or shoot shoot off the back seat. I watched so many of my squad mates like give up, time out, or just try to get off the back of the seat. I went on the ground bipod with a PCC AK and the Galil AK crushed it huh that video is online too of the pcc like i hit the one mover i tried to hit it right before it like went away came back hit it and i was like i'm done (laughs) (laughs) was that hard (laughs) dude movers are great no they're not so much fun no they're not dave no oh dude well it's great when you hit them years years ago i went to a a um sniper team match with amax and we were there as vendors and it was like law enforcement military only and somehow, um, even though we were there for uh, just like displaying as vendors, they let us shoot the match. And um, it was kind of weird because like we're standing there in our, our little golf shirts and like everybody else is like camoed up and stuff and wearing ghillie suits and stuff. And they we we went to this uh, this unit where this guy taught us how to shoot movers and we we're shooting movers at like 400 yards. And um, he was like, okay, well, the the math is like, and I, I forget exactly what the math was, so I'm just going to make this up uh, for anyone listening. Don't use these numbers. But he's like, so you want to lead them like a half a mil. He's like, unless you're from Alabama and you're a little slow, you lead them a mil. <laughs> I laughed so hard because we were in Tennessee. I laughed so hard. And uh, you could tell the guys from Alabama. And, you know, I'm like, ah, giggle, giggle. And then I'm shooting later. And uh, I'm behind it. And I didn't realize the instructor's right behind me. He's like, you must be from Alabama. I'm like, oh, shit. Like, oh, I need to lead it some more, huh? But <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. Oh, God. That's excellent. <laughs> uh, 
I try not to laugh too much. So I know, I know we've dragged you on here and I didn't want to leave this podcast without diving a little bit into working in the industry. If you want to dive into sure. that. Okay. Um, you've been around a lot longer than I am. So I'm kind of intrigued by this. I wanted to know, okay, you might not like this question. I can edit it out if you don't, but <laughs> I am struggling with seeing the culture shifts in the industry of like, they would go with, I would say certain sponsored shooters that don't make sense, or they would go with like these gun bunnies. Right. And then they would disappear. It was pretty cool where it was like, okay, they're working with serious like athletes or people that are doing really good content. And now I feel like the gun bunnies, I would say that's coming back up again too. How have you seen all those trends come and go? And like, are they just always here to stay Dave? (laughs) Well, um, Uh, when, when I was in high school, my buddy's dad had a Miller light poster in the garage and it had girls in bikinis on it yep. and that now we're at gun bunnies. And so I, I feel like the, the last industry that can do that because, um, the, I guess the culture do, is not necessary. The, the larger culture is not necessarily paying attention to that yep. the last culture that the last industry that can do that, I feel like, is is the firearms industry. However, uh, when you go to the marketing um, departments of a lot of these companies, there's a lot of females, yeah. and and uh, the reason is like there's a lot of females in marketing in general. Yeah. So, I don't think you can, as a like marketing director or a um, you know VP or something like that, stare your 22 year old social media manager in the eyes and be like, yeah, yeah, we're going to, we're going to get some, uh, you know, some clickbait mm-hmm. on our brand. Mm-hmm. And, um, <clears throat> I think that was like, um, a really easy, cheap thing to do for a long time. And while there are still companies that do support like the, the gun bunny type of thing, um, I feel like of the major brands and the brands that have longevity, that's kind of going away Absolutely. and, um, or it didn't start or they do this weird mental gymnast gymnastics of telling themselves that's not a gun bunny. That is a serious shooter, which, yeah. So there's, there's a debate on all that. However, I see, um, the massive influx of, uh, of former military, uh, global war on terror bros, yeah. um, massive like it it, there's so many content creation companies um like you know we were talking about ken block earlier like he created a media company called hoonigan like there are these conglomerate media companies that um like oh yeah we got these uh five guys and they'll take your gear whatever it is and they'll go do something on the range that looks tact cool right yep um i feel like that's largely where the market is now and I'm I'm not sure how much the shooting sports sell outside of the shooting sports. Right. So if you want to be if as a company, if you want to be known in the shooting sports, uh, I feel like that's a, a good play is, is uh sponsoring um shooters and matches and stuff like that. Right. But I want I'm I'm super biased because I'm within the sh- the uh shooting sports arena. Yeah. I wonder how much of that like is other than Jerry and Julie. And I don't even need to say their last names. Like how much of that really goes outside of, of the, uh, the shooting sports. I think about that all the time. And I ask, uh, like my, my gun owner friends that have never been to a match and will never go to a match and none of them have ever heard of anybody. So I do find that often. Yeah. Yeah. 
Hmm. Yeah, it's it's kind of sad. But <laughs> but that said, like the uh I feel like the um the crossover. So if I were in charge of a company now, like the uh the crossover is where I would find, right? So um a lot of times we as uh like firearms content creators, like we really preach the choir. And I I usually don't talk about politics on my podcast because I yeah, um I feel like I'd just be sitting there with some yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'd be sitting there someone with someone who's agreeing with me and there's like right. no interesting conversation that can come from that. Right. And I'm not con I'm not converting anybody who's listening, right? Right. Right. However, like uh BJ Baldwin uh is a is an example that sticks out in my head because you don't consider BJ Baldwin like a firearms guy. He's like an off-road racer. And while I don't particularly find his content uh interesting uh when when he produces it, like he's a part of some bigger media things, such as um, the, the Hoonigan type stuff and he's into firearms. So like that is a, a person that is friendly to it, that, um, that it comes from a different area. So it, it's like I was talking about earlier, like do something interesting and then get sponsored. Right. Like he's doing something interesting in that other space. Right. Yeah. And, uh, but that, that said, like, he's not dumb enough to take a discount code on a, on a bottle of powder, you know, <laughs> waters it down for the rest of us. Yes. Yeah. 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 Like he wouldn't do that because, you know, he has like actual legitimate sponsors that give him uh cash, you know, federal reserve notes for doing the things that he does. So <laughs> right. it's uh it's a completely different thing. What would you say to someone that does want to like get into the industry other than like try to create stuff and then get into it? But what if they want to work in mm-hmm. manufacturing or what, what if they do want to work in those marketing departments? Like how does one find oneself in this industry? Yeah. Um, I think it's much easier than anyone thinks. Like I, I went, I was a part of a like midsize company, um, you know, that we did double digit millions of dollars. And then it was part of an investment company that had like five other companies in the, um, the suite of businesses that were all firearms related. And like 90% of the people you talk to, um, have no idea what you're talking about when you're talking about firearms. Like, uh, I would have to explain, um, problems with, uh, with product to, someone who was responsible for getting that product to me and had no clue why it yep. was not good. Yep. Even when I used actual terms like rifling is effed up, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like they don't know what that means. So, yeah. um, I, I think, uh, I think on the outside, like people, people look at like the firearms industry, like, Oh, it'd be so amazing to work there. But it's like any, any place else. It's just a job. Like if you're a logistics guy, there's a company you can go to and run logistics. That is a firearms company. If you're a marketing person, you could do the same. If you're a machinist, there's a ton of companies that would love to have you. If you're an accountant, like all those jobs exist at firearms companies. And the, the place that I worked, I was the subject matter expert and I don't, I don't know about you, but like if, if there's like five guys in the room, like I don't want to be going to Dave for like, what should we do here? So (laughs) it's, uh, it's, it's interesting because in the, in the areas that I, that I, um, participate in, I, I, I play in, there's so many people that are better at shooting than me. There's so many people that know the the platforms better than me. There's so many people that have, you know, been downrange and, and use firearms for life-saving purposes. There's people that have, you know, um, shot many more matches than me. There's so many people that have more experience than me. But then when I went to work for a company at like the industry, <laughs> I knew more than anyone else there. It, wow. it And it was shocking. Like I was not prepared for that. Okay. And the, 
that was cool to be able to teach a lot of people like what does a gas system do like what is the like why does the length of gas matter you know and we i taught a lot of salespeople on the uh the products and i would tear a rifle down i'm like this is what this does this is what that does and that sort of thing that was cool because i really like teaching but there's nowhere to go because there's nothing to learn so it's it was kind of it was kind of tough so i think a lot of people make a bigger deal out of it than than it is because it is a company in an industry so it's the same thing of like well how do i get into the bicycle making industry Go to an event where there's bicycles. <laughs> Go to an event where there's bicycle manufacturers. Um, or, or uh, I don't know, go on Indeed and look up bicycle manufacturing companies near me. And and what are the what are the top 10 bicycle manufacturers that you think are the coolest bikes out there? Like w- write those down, go to each of their websites and um and click on careers. Go to the LinkedIn, find find the HR manager send them a message be like hey you know i really like your bikes and i'm also really good at whatever it is you do insert here are you an accountant are you uh, a managerial person like if you're uh you know from the military you have leadership experience so you'd be a great manager even if you don't know a whole lot about bikes and i think uh i think a lot of people myself included try to make it harder than it is because we have such a passion for uh, the firearms industry as a whole, and we're enthusiasts in in shooting and marksmanship, and we love all the gear, and we create content around it and stuff like that. And it's much much easier than you think. It's just like getting hired at another at a, any other company. Yep, I wanted the people to hear it from you because I feel like that's a <laughs> it's not that you hard. agree or do, yeah. you, do you disagree? No, I agree. And the other stuff is like they're in the new age, I would say, and where we're living is there's jobs that aren't even like job descriptions, right? Like you can get paid to do things, but you got to create like the opportunity. You got to create the job. But like what you already said too, with going to the events is like most of the clients that I have now or that I've met along the way, it just took me investing in myself. So me showing up to events, me showing up to trade shows, just talking to people and like years later it comes, right? But just Mm -hmm. making those connections and and talking to people, it's really magical what can happen. Yeah. 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 First of all, don't be a douche. And if you are fix that, those are one and two. (laughs) And then second, go talk to people. Um, I think uh, I I get this question a lot and um, I I understand it's like, you know, I have a podcast and like, I love getting questions and I love answering questions on the show and stuff like that. So don't, don't take this as like, don't ask the question, but um, I think people, if, if I could infer, I think some people see like that I started a podcast, excuse me. And then, um, you know, I worked with a a bunch of different companies on a business to business relationship. And then I went to work for a company and they think like, that's the path. That's not the path. The, The reason I did that is exactly what I was talking about earlier is do something before you ask for something. Um, so I worked, uh, when I started the podcast, I worked at, uh, Lockheed Martin and I had worked there for, um, well, when I started, it was like seven years, but I worked there for eight years and I did something completely outside of, uh, my degreed area. I have a degree in marketing and I hadn't been doing marketing for eight years. Like I, like I said earlier, like at the, um, you know, before, before I started the, uh, the show, I didn't even have a smartphone and I ended up getting one I was like, Oh, I think I'm gonna have to be on Instagram and Facebook. So I better get a smartphone. Like, so, um, I hadn't 
done Instagram marketing. I hadn't done email marketing. I hadn't done Facebook marketing. I hadn't created a, um, a YouTube video. I didn't know how to video or edit video. I didn't know how to edit a podcast. Um, so I couldn't necessarily go to any company, let alone a firearms company and say, hi, uh, I found myself in a career that I did not feel fulfilled in. And I would like to be in your marketing company, but I'm also, you know, mid career here. So I want you to pay me mid career prices, even though you're going to keep be getting like early career value for me because I haven't been doing marketing for a long time, you know, yeah. for eight years now. So my thing was, um, I need to go and do these marketing skills, um, and, and learn these marketing skills. And I didn't want to get paid 28 grand a year to do it. Uh, so I did it for free, which was an even better idea. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and so the, uh, you know, the idea is like, you can, you can go and switch your lifestyle or you can do it on, on the side for yourself for free. So basically like, like we talked about, like I didn't have cable I didn't have a television. So I, I created podcasts and, and, uh, edited them. And those, that's what I did after work and before work and stuff like that. That's what I did in my free time. So that's the reason that's, that's the long way of saying like, yeah, I, I had a very specific purpose in mind when I started the podcast and it was to gain experience in marketing. And that's, that's what I did. Um, because, you know, I found myself, um, eight years into being a, uh, manufacturing engineer at Lockheed Martin thinking like, I'm not really into manufacturing engineering. I like manufacturing stuff. I love watching stuff being made. But in my spare time, all I do is listen to business podcasts and marketing podcasts, and I really should be doing that. So yep. that's a very long answer, but that's uh, that's the path that uh, that's the reason I went on the path that I did. Love it. I, it's an inspiring story, and it is where hard work pays off, and you can build something, create something, and then get to where you want to go. And then it pays way more than making the 28K would be now. It's probably like 40. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. We don't want to talk about that. No, it's Inflation. true. It's true. Um, Cool. Well, I know we talked about a lot. Thank you so much for all of the the fun, the wisdom and all of that. Is there any other, you know, final thoughts or something stuck in your head that you want to get out before we're done here? No, you know, I, I think the overall theme here has been like, do something interesting. And, uh, I always feel like that's a, a great way to, uh, to live your life because it's ending one minute at a time. And so if you don't do something interesting, you're wasting it. So go out, enjoy it. Love it. And then Dave, for listeners, how can people find you on social media, on your website? Uh, where can they go to learn more? Yeah, the, the uh, YouTube channel is Prep and Press and uh, prepandpress.com. And you can find us on you know Spotify, iTunes, and or Apple Podcasts and all that other good stuff. So just look for Prep and Press and we'd love to have you. Awesome. Well, listeners, thanks for listening to this episode. Stay tuned for more. And... If you want to hear the other side of the interview, go to Dave Hartman's, watch his press prep. I'm, I'm laughing <laughs> because it's about to be a Stoger story. Anyways, prep and press podcast to uh, hear my interview. So wish me luck there. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Kenzie. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Reticle Up podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Follow along on social media at Reticle Up or 3 Gun Kenzie.